At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. You see, one of the things I've come to realize in my life as an entrepreneur, I've accepted challenges part of life. At some point, you know, I'm selling stuff, trying to take my money and people obtain me. People beat me up. So at that point in time, I, I had to bow to that pressure and I became a member of one of the gangs. For me, knowing that if I don't leave Nigeria, I could be killed, number one. Mm. Losing that business in 2015 mm. literally inspired me. Failure is a good thing. Failure taught me to fail forward, not fail backward. It was one of those gurus at that time yeah. promoting property. And I literally clicked on a networking event that cost me 70 pounds. Yeah. Paid 70 pounds was the last money I had. You Quit my job point. as an Uber driver. I had eight rent to rent in my portfolio. Okay. I I sold over 12 deals. So first year, I'd done over 20 property transactions. The following year, I just grew my portfolio. Do you know the rough value of your portfolio? Well, you're not defined by where you, where you come from. Yeah. And I think that's a big message that I always yeah. want to tell people. Like, like you have to be able to be uncomfortable. Yeah. Like, be comfortable with being uncomfortable. When you grow up in ends, you don't realise it when you're confident, but you have an audacity to do things that ordinarily most people wouldn't be able to do. Welcome back to the Takeover Experience. We have a special guest in the building, Dr. Daniel. How are you doing today? Hey, my brother. I'm so excited to be here. Thank you so much for inviting me to come and give some people, the people, your audience, some wisdom. <laughs> yeah, I love it. I love it. I've been seeing you um, across Instagram for a while and I was like, I've got to get, I've got to get you onto the podcast. Yeah. I need to see some of, you know, those gems that you've been dropping on other podcasts. Our audience will definitely be very interested in your journey and what you have to say today. But in terms of your day, what's your day been like today? Yes, today's been, Mondays are usually one of my busiest days. So Mondays is a day for me to basically have meetings with my team. So usually that will start around about 9 a.m. So my meetings usually start from 9 a.m. in the morning straight in. And that will be back to back. So I usually don't leave my office till around about 1 o'clock if I have to leave the office. But usually it's just back to back all the way to 1 p.m. And then... I will probably slow down for about an hour. So one to two, I'll slow down and then I'll go again, fire around all the way to probably about eight to 9 p.m. in the wow. evening. Wow. You know, yes. And that's just a daily routine for me on a Monday basis. Mm. And then usually uh, before now, I used to run in the mornings, but I recently changed my routine in the last three weeks now. I go run like by 11 p.m. at night before just before midnight 11 p.m that's a interesting i was gonna say bizarre but that's an interesting yes yeah, so i just recently changed that why's that yeah 11 so PM. so 
one of the things I, I've come to also realize, as we go through this journey of entrepreneurship, your body changes. So in the last few months, specifically uh, in the last few months, I tend to be enjoying sleep more in the mornings. Usually I used to go run about 6 a.m. I used to wake up about four. So I used to wake up about, I'm trying to remember now. I used to wake up about 5, 5.30-ish. I can't remember now, to be honest. Yeah, I used to wake up, normally I wake up about 5, 5 a.m. in the morning. Yes, yes, around about 5 a.m. I normally wake up. Then by 6.30-ish, around about that, I usually will get out to go for a run. But in the last couple of months, my body is basically feel so much relaxed in the morning so and i decided to swap that around okay. i struggled to kind of put it in place again yeah so i struggled i'm trying to get out of bed in the morning it's hard and then i said you know what maybe you know my body's changing so i decided to start what you know you know running in the evening mm. and i've been going out you know sometimes 10 30 11 p.m and that will run probably till midnight, then come back on pray and then go to bed. That's you know? very, very interesting. Yeah, and wake up at 7 a.m. now. So I wake up at 7 a.m. now. You still wake up early. Still. Yeah, still, yeah, well, I still wake up yeah. at 7 a.m. I would not wow. be in bed at 8 o'clock now. That's so interesting. That's such an interesting turnaround. And yeah. the fact that some people would force it, though, would say, you know what, I'm just going to force it to do it in the morning. But the fact that you changed it to suit your body and where you're at in life yeah. is, yeah, I think, I think that's good. I think life is all about knowing as you journey through this journey, a lot of things will happen to you financially, spiritually, mentally, and otherwise. You see, one of the things I've come to realize in my life as an entrepreneur, I've accepted challenges part of life. I've accepted changes as part of life. I've accepted so many things that they are part of life. And sometimes you don't have to push them too much. Yeah. You just have to learn to adapt. And I spoke about adaptation a lot in my new book called The Test. So it's all about how much can you adapt? So for me, I think writing a test over the last one year before it's coming out this Thursday, uh, this Friday now, I really basically understand actually for 20 years of experience, one of the things I've really seen in me writing this book was the ability to adapt to change. So I wasn't forcing things but when it happened i just adapted and i calmed down a little bit and i started all over again yeah mad insane before we we get into everything who is dr daniel well dr daniel moses is a father of two amazing kids my son abraham my daughter angel i am a lovely husband to my wife <laughs> i love to use that word because <laughs> i've been married to her for 17 years okay. so i'm a lovely husband to my wife a lot of marriages don't last five days <laughs> talkless right <laughs> not to talk of not to talk of 17 years yeah. and plus we're very young um the reason why i say that as a lovely husband to my wife because um a lot of my peers that got married about four years after i got married most of them are no longer with the same woman and most of the other women that I also knew who were my friends, they're not going with the same men. So for me, I give myself a lot of credit to call myself a very lovely husband to my mm. wife. She's my lovely wife. And I also give her a lot of respect for putting up with me mm. as well, because it's not easy to be married to a man like myself. Yeah, It's not easy at all. Uh, a man who's constantly just on the go, it's insane. You know, sometimes what goes in my head, I just feel like, oh, am I going crazy? But I'm not. But it's just, I just have an ambition. Yeah you know, to really, really make a mark, be impactful. I want the youngest to see me tomorrow and say, you know what? I listened to what that guy said. Mm. And he's been through pains. He's been through struggles. He's been through tests, you know, and to know, okay, test is part of life. 
So that's one part of me being Dr. Daniel Moses. Uh, I'm an entrepreneur. I'm a very ambitious entrepreneur. And as well as I am a coach, and you know, a property coach, and as well as a business coach. So I coach people in property, how to get started from property, and as well as how to run a business. Yeah. Because I've been running business for, for 20 years. I don't, I wouldn't say I've learned it all. There's so much to run in a business. Yeah. Uh, but at least I understand the importance of, you know, differentiating all different types of businesses. So some people have a side hustle and they think they have a business, but actually you don't have a business, just you're just side hustling. Mm-hmm. So I think over the years I've I've learned to understand side hustle, you know, what it is to have a business, what it is to be an entrepreneur, what it is to have a company. These are all yeah. different things, mm. you know, within the business, you know, yeah. you know, sector. And as well, I'm an author of two books and one of them, Rent Rent Made Easy. I can't wait to be holding the test in my hand mm-hmm. in a couple of days time. And yeah, so I'm a man that is just on a mission. And I know that 10 years from now, it's going to be, wow. Yeah. He did it. Okay. Is, is, is that a mission accomplished in 10 years? 10 years is basically taking the business mm-hmm. to nine figures. Okay. And wow. For a guy who wasn't born and bred in Britain, for guys who've been through the males who basically had no pedigree to start, but started anyway and developed all the different types of actmanship pedigree that I've become. Yes, 10 years time is going to be interesting. Mm. It is going to really be interesting what I have achieved. Okay. We'll be interviewing every year until the 10 years. So <laughs> Yes. <laughs> amazing, amazing. Okay, so let's talk a little bit about your story. Where are your parents from? My father is from a, from a city mm. called Edo State okay. in Nigeria. And then uh, a, a city, a village or a city, a very small village called, if I say the name, you're going to laugh. <laughs> it's called Uyokuriomo. Okay, I've never heard Oh, my days. Yes, yeah. I know. Wow. In fact, everybody was like, what the hell? Did he just speak? What language did he just speak? <laughs> so, yes. So, my father is from that village. I'm originally from Edo State. I was born and bred in Nigeria. I grew up all the way from Nigeria. And, yeah, so my parents, my mother and my father, they're from Edo State, Nigeria. Okay. And you grew up in Nigeria? You're, I grew up in Nigeria. Yourself, I came yeah. to the UK in my early 20s. In your early 20s. Okay. So, what was it? What was life like in Nigeria growing up in Nigeria? You, you Did you grow up mostly in, I can't even say the village. <laughs> Can I have? A nickname for <laughs> Let's Ed, keep it. You know, I'm going to say Edo State. Edo I'm going to say Edo State. What was it like growing up in Edo State? Oh, my days. Growing up in Nigeria, like I have a 15 year old son. Yeah. And I try to explain a lot of things to him. You know, like him having the luxury of not waking up in, you know, in the morning to run about 9 a.m. on a Sunday morning or 9 a.m. on a Saturday morning and I have to go and wake him up. I'm like, listen, if you were in Nigeria, you'd be going to the stream to fetch some water. So growing up in Nigeria was like that. So growing up in Nigeria was, I didn't go to the stream, but I went to the nest three, four, five houses that was down the road to fetch water for my mother. So I would basically get the jerry cans you know, get the wee barrels, put the jerry cans, go to like about a couple of blocks away to get water to home for mommy to cook. And when it rains, you know, we would obviously have to put out the um, the water buckets by the rain gutter to take water. That was how life was growing up. So when away from that, my father married a lot of women. Uh, I'm the 26th born of my late father from a polygamous home. Uh, at the age of 10, my my mother left my dad, but they weren't divorced, but she just left because my father had so many wives mm. and, you know, and it was, the drama was just getting too chaotic. So my brothers basically uh, took my mom to a different 
you know, they, they built her a house. Yeah. So she moved into that house. So at the age of 10, I was single-handedly raised uh, by my mother. I went to school, you know, primary school, secondary school, university. I just, I think from the age of about 16, you know, I became quite ambitious. You know, what do I need to become and yeah. stuff like that. And I think that curiosity got me into business because my elder brothers will ship things back from Japan to Nigeria. Okay. And I will okay. sell those things. You know, so I was the guy who sold anything, in, you know, way back, mm. you know, from the age of 16. But when I got into university, it became really, really heavy, mm. very, very heavy that everybody knew me that if you're looking for your air condition, if you're looking to buy a mobile phone, mm. whatever you're looking to to buy, except for drugs, guns or anything illicit or illegal, I was the guy that okay. sold anything you know I, you know i make good money i was making money yeah. but the money was just to 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 be the top boy in school yeah you know you know just being attractive to the ladies you know yeah. you know so i was a proper proper ladies guy you know because i had money i had money to play with yeah whilst i was in university wow so that's just what growing up was like for me that's so interesting that you you was were your your other siblings as driven as you or were you the most driven out of your siblings well at that time well I mean, most of my siblings are quite more mature okay. than I am. I mean, my father had 30 children. Mm. I am the 26th. So hey. some of my brothers, I don't know them. Some of my sisters, I don't physically, like, I don't know them. If okay. we were to see each other today, I walk past them because I don't know them. Okay. Uh, even when my father died, mm. some of his children never come, came back. So some of those children wasn't counted. But the reason why I can count the number of children my father had, because I was very close with my dad. You know, I remember those days I would go and see my dad with my with my own girlfriend. My father would ask me, where's my own? You know, my father was a <laughs> proper bad guy. He's like, where's my own chick? How can you bring your chick and you didn't bring one for me from, you know? And my father was a bad boy. <laughs> oh my God. You know, so for me, in terms of being driven, I think I got my driving spirit you know, from my mother. My mother was a trader. My mother sold tomatoes in the public market at some point when I was young. She sold chickens. I think my entrepreneurial spirit, you know, I got that from my mother because that spread across a lot of my other siblings yeah. as well. So I wouldn't say I was the, the sharpest or neither will I say I was one of the most driven. Mm. I, I just discovered that I became more driven. But in terms of now, if you say now, if am I the most driven among my among my, my siblings, mm. I'll definitely say yes. Yeah. But not when I was growing up. But now, no. I'm, I think I'm one of the most ambitious one okay. right now. Wow. But not when I was growing up. And then you said that you, you came to London at some point. What I guess, what was the reason for coming to London? Well, in your 20s. Yeah. Interestingly, what got me into coming to London, I share in my new book, was I became very famous, very popular in my university, University of Benin at that time. And I, like I said, I sold anything. So I was being oppressed, oppressed in terms of people would basically buy stuff from me and they don't want to pay. Then some of time, sometimes they would beat me up obtain me like take stuff from me and not wanting to pay and this was because there were rivalry groups in mm. gangs and campos so at that point in time i felt like i needed to defend myself because every time this came happening so one of the guys from the the other rivalry group says okay our group our color in campos is the most dangerous one is the most powerful one mm. so if you join us we're not this all these different things that are happening to you is not going to happen to you anymore so I said, well, no problem. So I, I, I succumbed to that pressure because it was quite hard because at some point, you know, I'm selling stuff and trying to take my money and people obtain me, people beat me up, you know, 
I would be probably with my girlfriend at that time, or maybe myself and my girlfriend went for ice cream and people tell your girlfriend to walk away from you. Mm. She's almost like your man, you know, the, your man is taken away from you yeah. when those things start happening. So at that point in time, I, I had to bow to that pressure and I became a member of one of the gangs, mm. you know, uh, in university. Yeah. And uh, joining the, the gangs, I thought that would be the end of the trouble, but it wasn't. It wasn't the end of the trouble because it then opened my eyes to the next phase. The next phase was gang wars. So before yeah. that, I didn't have to be afraid for gang wars. But when I became a member of the gang, I became aware of gang wars. So gang wars means that when there's a war in campus, there were killings. Really? They Seriously? They were getting yes. that far? Yes, a few of my wow. friends got killed. Wow. Yes, yeah, so um, gang wars. So there were gang wars in campus. It was, this is like, if you Google, if you basically Google mm. what I'm saying, mm. gang wars in Nigerian university, bro, that's, what you wow. are going to see, you're going to be like, oh. That's wow. Bro, it is horror. So again, the government can't, the government of Nigeria can't control it. Mm. You know, it, they can't control it because even from time to time, these guys are used by politicians. So it's it's a, it's a deep story. So for me, knowing that if I don't leave Nigeria, I could be killed. Number one, mm. number two, even if I graduate from what I studied, I studied sociology and anthropology. So even if I graduate, the Nigerian government, there is no guarantee you're going to get a job or yeah. anything like that. You know, Nigeria is still a place where you have to create your, your own economy to even today. Now, yeah. So at that point in time, I basically decided to to find my way out. Mm. And that's how I found myself in England. Wow. So how, how did you find your way out at that point? You decided that you were in England. What, did you just book a flight and say, yeah, I'm out there? No. Why, and why UK and not America or anywhere else? Well, I mean, the good thing was I had close relative back in yeah. Nigeria who I could reach out to. Yeah. You know, I, I could reach out to then, you know, and, and, and they helped me get my, they helped me get a visa, mm. you know, to come here. Okay. You know, they helped me get a visa, you know, I didn't know a lot of people in England. I only knew one person. Mm. Through that one person, I became aware of two other people. That one person was a relative. Well, I wouldn't say relative. In Nigeria, the moment you speak the same language, mm. right? And you have probably like the same community. So for example, your cousin is your sister. Mm. So that's how we call ourselves. There's no really cousin like that. Yeah. So most time in my era, everybody's like your brother, your sister, whether they're cousins, 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 cousin. Yeah. So that would be first or second or third cousin. My era where I grew up, we referred to ourselves as sister, brother. Mm -hmm. So this individual was in the UK. So, you know, then that's how I eventually came to the UK. Wow. Thank God, right? <laughs> yeah. Thank God. <laughs> that is, that is crazy. Yeah. That's a crazy and it's a tough situation to be in. All you want to do is do well for yourself. You want to study at university. You want to have a good life and then you're being, you're then being consumed in other people's issues. They want to be, have their way with life. You know, I always feel like if you want to have your way with life, do it by yourself. Why are you trying to bring other people into it? Like, and, and, and that was the thing way back in campuses in Nigeria, where it, it, if anyone probably, like I said, this is our things that you can, you can check it. Gang wars in Nigeria. Yeah. You can get it. You can get those information there. The way it works is just for the fact that you are color white and I'm color white and color white and color yellow is having a fight they don't care to know whether it's your fight. If you're caught in the wrong area, you're dead. Hmm. That is as simple as that. Fearing for your life every day. It's just as simple yeah. as that. If you're found, 
you're dead. That's insane. That's insane. So, so when you came to the UK, I guess what were what were you thinking there that you were gonna? Was it like okay, I'm gonna study, or I was gonna look for a job, or what you think? Interestingly, honestly, coming down to the UK, there was no there was no direction. The direction was to get here. The grass is greener on the other side. Yeah, <laughs> that's it's what simple. people think. So get yeah. out of Nigeria. The grass is greener on the other side. But yeah. trust me, getting here, the grass wasn't greener, mm. bro. I've never, I didn't, I've never experienced the kind of cold that I experienced when I go here. Nigeria, you're talking about sixty. You know, you're looking about. Sorry, you're talking about thirty-six degrees. Mm. That's your bare minimum a day. Like this heat is guaranteed. Yeah. We don't have winter. It's only rain. You know, and you know, and um, getting here, the weather was one issue. The other issue was I did not know anybody. I only knew this one person. It took me time to settle. Yeah. For those who have basically relocated before will understand what I'm talking about. Relocating a country where you don't have no brother, no sister, no auntie, you know, people that you met are kind of family relative that not like your blood related, but you still call yourself brother and sister. Yeah. So I knew this one person. From this one person, I knew another person in Lon in uh, Luton. From this other one person, I knew another person in Leeds. Mm -hmm. So, and that was just how I was moving up and down. So from London to Leeds, from Leeds, you know, from London to Luton, from Luton to Leeds. Yeah. But as time go through, coming back and forth, uh, and, you know, eventually finding a way through and eventually start doing different types of odd jobs, mm. you know, like, helping people load their stuff up when they buy stuff in African full stop shop in Peckham to doing Kbeke. Kbeke was a job where meaning that you can basically spray people perfume in the toilet. I don't know if you still, probably if you go to a nightclub it's, it's today, you see these guys. Yeah. yeah, so these guys yeah. that spray you perfume in mm -hmm. the toilet. So that was one of, that, yeah. I did that as well. Mm -hmm. And Sunday market security guard because cash in hand, obviously when you don't have a resident permit, you can't work legally, legitimately. Yeah. So those are the kind of minor jobs one could do to survive. Yeah. But very, very quickly, I was saving 200 pounds mm, easily. Really? Yeah, I was saving 200 pounds very okay. easily, quickly. You know, after a couple of months, I saved 200 pounds a week, sometimes 200 pounds a month. Mm. And from that, what I started doing was I would, you know, like if you, like today now, if you drive through some areas when people have a fridge, televisions, they put it by the road waiting for the bean guys. To, yeah. So I would then go around, pick all the stuff, ship them to Nigeria. Mm. And that was what I was doing. So I started shipping those things to Nigeria. And uh, because I had a visa, yeah. You know, I could travel. One, I had a visiting visa, so I yeah. can travel mm. back uh, to Nigeria once in a while. Uh, but I wasn't like stuck, stuck, stuck yeah. where I couldn't really travel. Obviously, visiting visa, you're not permitted to do A, B, or C, or D. Yeah. Now, what did I do at the end of that as well was that I was fortunate enough to have met my wife. Yeah. So, uh, again, <clears throat> I spoke about this in my new book as well. So, me and my wife gave me the reason to, like, you know what? You ain't going back to Nigeria. You're mm. stuck in this country now. So once I met my wife, I just had every single reason to stay. Yeah. You know, met my wife within the first year or so. I started coming in and out of England and uh, met my wife. And uh, we, we, we just basically started. I met my wife in a bus. And after me, my wife in a bus, met her again lucky enough got her number the second time mm -hmm. <laughs> and then uh, it was divine intervention I wrote the whole story of how I met my wife in my new book called The mm -hmm. Test and what led after that uh, after that was basically us even trying to get married and people say oh you're trying to get married to your wife because you're looking for British residence permit and all of this but 
a lot of people who laughed at us at that time said, you know, oh, you're married because of this or that. We're still married, 17 mm-hmm. years. Two lovely kids. Yeah. We've been in an empire together now. So, um, yeah, so met my wife, settled in, in this country. And then just basically went through life mm-hmm. and journeys, you know, uh, to all the way to what I'm doing today. Yeah. Do you think after meeting her, that changed things for you? Because it sounded like you were thinking about going back to Nigeria. At that, at that point, it sounds like you wanted to do like I don't know what it what, what idea you had in your mind, but it sounded like maybe your end goal at that point was to go back to Nigeria. Honestly, a little bit more. Honestly, the truth yeah. is yes. Until I had a major incident that recently took place in my life about six seven years ago, two thousand and fifteen. The goal was always to go back home. You know, the goal was to, I mean, every single Nigeria that comes to live abroad, most times the goal is always to go back home because we have this thing about Nigeria, you know, our country, we love Nigeria, you know, and there's so many elements to the reason why we do love Nigeria, especially when you think you're doing well. So between those times, I always wanted to go back home because again, like I said, I always ship things back home, cars, clothes, broken things before I gradually refine myself. At some point I do feel like, yes, I want to always, you know, go back home and stuff like that. But until 2015, you know, um, actually, I even went to live in Nigeria. I actually relocated myself. Okay. You know, I relocated in 2012 back to go and live in Nigeria, mm-hmm. 2012 all the way to 2015, you know, and I lost the business. Mm-hmm. So, and then that business, losing that business in 2015 mm-hmm. literally inspired me mm-hmm. to like, you know what, for these long years, I always wanted to go back home to leave, but actually... Mm, let me park it. Let me reinvent myself. Let me let me just basically, you know, ad, you know, accept the system in England, and basically build again. Mm. You know, so looking back now, but I didn't know that though. Looking back now, I realized, you know, what well, regardless of all the different challenges which I share in great details in my new book, the test how different businesses that I'd done failed. And, you know, it was just like, I was just chasing shadows as an entrepreneur. Mm. And that's one of the things about the spirit of being an entrepreneur. When you sometimes, when you, when you begin this entrepreneurial journey, it does feel like you're chasing shadows. Yeah. And it does come to a point where you feel lost. Mm -hmm. It does come to a place where you feel like, is it even worth what you're trying to do? And 2015, when I lost everything in 2015, because I did build a business eventually between 2012 mm. to 2015 that began to do well in Nigeria. Mm-hmm. And that was the most successful I ever became at that okay. time. And I, when I lost my oil and gas business, you know, and losing that money and being in a place where I was at the verge of bankruptcy, depression and anxiety, looking back now, enabled me to make a decision to reinvent myself to yeah. become the person that I truly am now. Yeah. Now I am an academic, I'm, I'm an academia. Mm. When I mean I'm an academia, I love to digress on information. Yeah. I love to read. I love to listen to mm-hmm. programs. I have now become a person who is investing in himself, having mentors, having coaches. By the grace of God, in the next couple of years or so, mm. I'm going back to university to study what I'm doing now academically to add that to my name. Yeah. So I study sociology. I want to go back to school to have mm. qualifications on real estate, you know, so I can, you know, I'm not just talking from apprenticeship, mentorship yeah. and coaching 
teaching. I'm also talking from the academical perspective. So, and all these different things teaches you that life itself mm-hmm. builds you up in a such a way where when you've been through that journey, it now gives you an identity where you truly discover your purpose. So for me, Nigeria, yes, I wanted to go back and live there, but now I think if I'm right, Nigeria is even worse mm. than, it, than it was it's when I first left. It's changed. It's definitely, Nigeria has definitely changed, uh, yeah. changed a lot. The economy hasn't moved forward. Yeah. You know, it hasn't. I hope the new president will be able to do a lot of good things. Yeah. But we've always hoped and hoped and hoped. So for me, there isn't going back to Nigeria to live there, except maybe, you know, I'm sure the president is listening to this and invite me to come (laughs) and help him. (laughs) Well, let's see, right? We might, we'll try and make that happen. So yeah, you talked about, (laughs) you know, previously that you lost your business. But before that, I, I think I believe you, at some point you were doing, you were doing Uber. Was that before you lost your business or after? That was after I lost that my- That was after, yes. okay. After I lost my business in oil and gas, yes. Okay, so before the oil and gas business, I guess how how did you, w- w- you said that you were saving 200 pounds. Was that all your 200 pounds savings that you was doing at that time that helped you, I guess, did you buy an oil and gas business or did no, you start? No, it's quite a big jump there. Yes, yeah. you're right. Thank you for bringing me back. Yeah. So I started, like I said, I saved them a lot of money yeah. and then I basically started shipping things to Nigeria. Okay. From shipping things to Nigeria, you know, at some point I did set up an internet calf. Okay. You know, way back, you know. In the days, in the days back in the days. Back yeah, in the days, I used, inter- I used to have an internet cafe. Yeah. So when I sold my internet cafe, I decided to relocate back to Nigeria. And then when I got to Nigeria, you know, a few, you know, a few moves here and there of selling things and, you know, brokering deals here and there, Mm -hmm. I was able to raise more money to allow me get into oil and gas in 2012. And the oil and gas that got into was lower downstream sector. So you have upper stream sector, you have low our stream sector. So the upper stream sector is where you you deal with the crude mm. and the lower, uh, you know, um, stream sector in the oil and gas is you have retail, you have logistics, you have haulage mm-hmm. and you have, it's, it's so much more. So yeah. I got into the logistics and retailing part. Right, okay. So the logistics would be, I would take petroleum tankers to buy petroleum products from the depots. Mm. So you have, you know, you have different mini, mini, small refineries. Well, not refineries. You have the, um, they, they import mm. the oil, the, the refined product into Nigeria, sorry. All right. They import the refined product into Nigeria and then you buy from them. All right. And then once you buy from them, you basically mm. then sell that product to the local petrol stations yeah. or, for example, other companies that need to utilize petroleum products. They stop petroleum products ahead of yeah. things like scarcities and stuff like that. So, yes, I started making really, really good profit from that. And I then lost that business due to an accident that, mm-hmm. that happened. And the accident basically cost me two trucks. Mm-hmm. Of 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 sixty five thousand liters. Okay. All right. Got burnt into they 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 had they 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 ran into each other and burst into flames. And thank God nobody died. Mm. And as well as at the time that happened, my insurance policy had expired, and my manager did not pick it up at that time because I was I was always in and out. <laughs> <laughs> that's yeah. a, that's a difficult to swallow yeah. pill to swallow, isn't yes. it? Yes. Yeah. You know. Yes. Absolutely. Mm. And um, and when that happened. Um, 
I basically just said, you know what? It's like, I'm just trying to, I'm chasing shadows. I'm trying to survive. I'm trying to do different businesses. I'm trying to sell anything. Like I said, I'm a sales guy, I sell anything, you know? And even till tomorrow, like I'll sell anything to anybody mm. as long as it's what they want. Yeah. You know, so, and when I lost that business, that was when I literally gave up on entrepreneurship. And I said, entrepreneurship wasn't for me anymore. At this time I was in my, early 30s mm. and I, I basically was back to my family here in the UK because I was going back to Nigeria back and forth back and forth and that was when I basically said to my wife I'm not doing business anymore so not doing business anymore not being an entrepreneur anymore because of the massive roller coaster issues after issues after issues that's exactly what got me into Uber. So I became an Uber driver because I've never been employed by a proper company before. I've never yeah. had a proper job. You know, all I've ever done was basically trying to do something, you know, sell something. So I literally quit being an entrepreneur and I said, I'm, I'm not going to do this Nigerian business again, trying to ship things, trying to do this all. Yeah. You know, I'm not doing anything anymore. Let me basically become an Uber driver. Yeah. It was when I became an Uber driver that obviously um, the the whole thing that I'm doing now mm. gave birth to uh, the new me. Okay. I guess at, at, at what point, I guess with Uber driving, did you decide, okay, you know what, this is I've enough. I'm, I've had enough of doing the nine to five. I'm ready to, to go back into being an entrepreneur or starting a, a business. Interestingly, I think for me, this is where spirituality came in. So when I went through all those hurdles in 2015, towards the end of 2015-16, so this whole drama started, uh, you know, late 2015, and this me giving up yeah. and driving Uber started early early 2016. So this is where spirituality came in. I've always gone to church, but I've never really had a relationship with God. Neither do I pray as I pray now. So spirituality really came through for me. So I started praying, asking questions. When you've been beating so hard, you start asking questions. So I think for me, I started asking questions. What is going on? Is it that I don't know what I'm doing? Is it that I'm confused? Is it that I'm just destined not to make it? What is the situation? So I started asking myself questions. At first, driving Uber was more like a therapy. It was, I was going through depression and anxiety. I was also suffering from sibling paralysis at that time. So when that accident happened and that loss took place, it just felt like I was losing everything. I was losing my mental mind and my physical mind. And I kept praying. And I kept asking questions. And then I started going to church more, you know, and kept going once in a while to see my, you know, my, 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 my apostle, Apostle A.T.B. Williams. I would speak to him and he would advise me. He would pray with me, you know, and uh, I kept doing what I was doing. And one particular day I was so tired. I was so tired. I was driving 18 hours at least a day as an Uber driver. I was so tired from Sustainable driving back and I fell asleep on the wheel. And it was in that sleep that I literally, you know, like, you know, if, I said, okay, you know what, let me grab a nap. So I pulled it to a petrol station. I was having a nap. And it was in that nap. I had a dream about being in a seminar. Okay. So I, I was being in a seminar and, I, you know, things didn't make sense to me at first. But the way things made sense to me was when I woke up from that nap and I opened my phone to basically see if I can get another ride from where I am, you know, to pick up the next job. 
Instead of doing that, I went to a Facebook page and I saw an ad on my phone saying, get into property. You know, I do, I do a lot of ads now myself. Yeah. So, <laughs> uh, so, you know, it was one of those gurus at that time promoting yeah. property. And I literally clicked on a networking event that cost me 70 pounds. Yeah. Paid 70 pounds was the last money I had. And that is exactly how I started what I'm doing now. Wow. So it wasn't like I was searching. It just, it just happened. Okay. So for me, it was divine. And, and I'm so grateful to God that I was able to desound as at the time that I got that information. Wow. That's absolutely insane. Cause I was going to ask you if it was something that you decided where it sounded like. It, it was, was divine. Yeah. It was a decision made for you. Yeah, it was divine. <laughs> okay. So, so you said that you, you, you went to the seminar, I guess, what was the, what happened after that? Because obviously, you know, a lot of people, they'll go to seminars or they'll read property books. You know, I, I guess one of the most popular ones out there is Rich Dad Poor Dad that everybody's been talking about for the last 20 years. Or they'll watch YouTube videos, but I guess what was the next step for you at that point? Interesting question, by the way. You know, this is one of the things I've come to realize in life. A lot of people listen to this podcast all the time mm. and they get inspired and motivated. Yeah. How many people actually take the lessons the speaker or the guest is shared about their life and apply to them? Not many. How many people has read books and said, oh yeah, yeah, I read that book, Rich Dad Poor Dad, mm. and took what Rich Dad Poor Dad said in the book and applied it to them? <laughs> Not many. <laughs> Not many people. How many people listen to podcasts mm. every single day and see them in that conversation? A lot of people watch podcasts, but they don't apply it. Yeah. I myself today, I run a property and business coaching company. I've coached people to become property millionaires and I've coached people to get started. Mm. A few people have been through that traffic of coming in and out and they often tell me, I've been to this trainer, I've been to that trainer, nothing has worked for me. It's not worth because you haven't discovered your purpose. You're trying to do something because you see other people are doing it. So for me, what changed for me was the moment I entered that room, number one, I was very intimidated. I got to the event. I was very intimidated. I was the only black boy in the room or black man. I was the only black man. I'm talking about 2016, okay. towards the end of 2016. I'm the only black man in this room and everybody else suited up, everybody chit-chatting. Now, all my life before this time, I specifically have never really mixed up with a lot of, you know, diverse, I've never really been in a diverse room because my mindset always just been business, Nigeria, London, business, Nigeria, London. That was just my lifestyle. So I'm in this room and they're talking about all these different things. Yeah. And I'm like, mm, okay, this room don't belong to me. But they keep talking, they keep talking. All of a sudden it started it's like, yeah, that's you. You can do this. You can do this. I started painting a picture right there in that room in the end. And I went to church the next, the next with the weekend. And I was telling my friend, oh, look at what's happened. My friend, oh boy, this thing doesn't work for black people. Don't worry. <laughs> they're about to scam you. Scam is, but I was like, nah. Then all of a sudden I accepted it. Accepted but then again, it. Okay. I was like, no, 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 no. What they were saying in that room is better than me driving Uber for 18 hours a day. No, I have to change i made a conclusion right there and there the following weekend i said mm, i'm going to first of all change my environment i'm going to cut people who spoke to me in that way i'm going to cut them off mm -hmm. and i'm going to go into this new self-discovery yeah and guess what that one training went to another training another training another training uh, sorry another event another event then from there into another training then into paid coaching into paid mentorship into courses 
So 2016, 2017, so 2016, late 2016, 2017 was just events, training, 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 2018, training, 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 2019. Yeah. And uh, by the end of 2018, I quit my job as an Uber driver. Really? Yes. And then what did I you I quit my job point? as an Uber driver. I had eight rent to rent in my portfolio. Okay. I had sold over 12 deals. So first year I'd done over 20 property transactions. The following year, I just grew my portfolio, wow. my rent to rent portfolio. I uh, went up to about 21 in the second year. And then before the end of that year, 2019, I bought my first property using other people's money. Okay. And life just basically, my wife was like, whoa, where's all this coming from? Mm. I was just implementing what I've been told. Yeah. So I've been told network, meet people, tell people what you do. I went out, network, meet people. I was told, share your journey on social media. I was doing the same. Uh, everything my mentors taught me, you know, I did. I invested heavily on myself. Where did I get the money from? As the money was coming through, I was investing it back. So all your Uber money invested the, by it back 20, to Yes, Uber money was invested as well in property yeah. eventually, but not a lot of it. But yeah. I also basically, when I was selling those deals, I didn't go on holiday, you know, no holiday, nothing. We're just putting all the money back. Even to today, I don't really still, because for me, I'm building. So I've learned to really st- you know, delay all my gratification. But the only thing I don't compromise at the moment, I don't compromise where I live. I live in a very good house. I don't compromise in, you know, going to good restaurants to meet people. Mm. Um, but you in terms of- You think that's good? The whole restaurant thing? Because- I'm very yeah. big on restaurant. Yeah. I'm very I, I'm very big on restaurant. Okay. You know, I'm very big on that. You know, if you there are certain people you want to meet, you can't be taking them to certain types of restaurants. If I, <laughs> there's certain conversation you want to have that yeah. you can't have in a very cheap place. Mm. You know, obviously you have to be intentional. So I just went on a new discovery. Yeah. And everything that they told me, I did. And that's what's gotten me to where I now am. So yes, I uh, basically overcome those challenges mm. and I went on a self-discovery. I went on a personal development. I went on knowing myself. Yeah. So I went on a journey to know myself because one of the things I learned is that when life has beat you up and down, you have to go on a journey to self-discovery, to learning about yourself. And when you learn about yourself, okay, and then you will now understand because all the things that went through in my life, which I share in my book, The Test, I never knew they were building me to the person that I've become. Yeah. But looking back now, I'm like, well, actually, thank God. I was beaten to the floor. But thank God, Daniel Moses, you did not quit. Because a lot of people are at the verge of their breakthrough and then they choose to forget. So they no, it's not choose to forget, they choose to quit. Sorry. They choose to quit. Or some are at the verge of their success and become suicidal. Yeah. Whilst I went through this, I know how many times I was suicidal. Mm. I know how many times the little voice inside of me told me to end it. Mm. Why well, didn't you quit? I didn't quit because I think God was just in me. Mm. And I think that's what changed everything for me. But just looking back now, when I when I listen to podcasts, when I listen to, when I'm in church, when I read the Bible, when I listen to 
the verses or or preaching from church or when I listen to people speak, I'm able to deconstruct information and apply it to me. Yeah. And there's no way you can do that if you haven't been through the mills. A lot of people, the biggest problem, we're, we're currently mm-hmm. we're in an information age. The biggest part of the issue is that there's so much information out there now. Mm-hmm. People are not able to deconstruct information and yeah. apply it to them. So and you the reason why you're not able to do that because you've not been through the meals. You've not been through hardship. I learned to fall forward rather than falling backward. Mm. Failure is a good thing, but just learn to fail forward, don't fall backwards. So failure taught me to fail to, to fail forward, not fail backward. Yeah. Wow. It's hard, very hard. Some people will go through the spa, some people will go through the easy part. Mm. But for me, looking back what i've achieved and where i am now where you know i would say i'm reasonably very comfortable mm. i learned to fall forward and become the person that i am yeah if i was to speak to you seven eight years ago probably you struggle listening to what i'm saying because <laughs> i speak like a proper african guy mm. you know and not just that six you know two five 2015 i, I until 2015, I didn't read a book. I went to university, but I I just read, you know, read to pass. Yeah. I didn't read a book to understand a book and apply a book. So when life taught me, life basically shaped me to become yeah. the person that, you know, on this part I am told, you know, told it to become. Wow, 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 wow. You've had you've had a, a journey and you 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 talked about building your portfolio, right? So I guess. You still have your portfolio, Mr. Of course. You still have I've got a seven figure property portfolio. Seven figure property. That's crazy. Wow. Is it is it is it is it what's it what's it made of? Is it is it rent to rent? Is it um buy to let? Give me an idea of that. Uh, majority of my portfolio are all HMOs. Okay. Uh personally owned. Yeah. Management. My rent to rent span across care home. HMOs oh, and is an interesting one. I've never heard anybody talk about Yes, it. I have a few rent-to-renter care homes. Okay. I have a few rent-to-rent to self-accommodation. I have a few rent-to-rents to HMOs. Wow. Yeah. I love the care home one. I'm not going to lie to you. Yeah. I, I've it's, never it's heard nobody's money. ever said it's, that. It's, 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 easy, it's, it's yeah. easy money. It's very yeah. it's easy money. That's one of my easiest money. I yeah. don't have to worry about anything. It's guaranteed almost, isn't it? Yes, right? because they just a care company that's already well established comes and pay you a bit more yeah. for a property that would rent for £3,000, come and pay you a bit more, pay you £5,000, mm. you know, turn into a, a, a supported living care home, mm-hmm. you know, or, you know, just catering for people who are vulnerable, pay you good rent, and yeah. you don't have to worry about maintenance, repair, and all yeah. of that. How many rent-to-rent in total is it that you that you roughly have? I've got quite a very significant, yeah. I under management, mm. under 100 tenants. Really? Yeah. But you obviously you don't manage them yourself? No, no, no. no. My, I resigned my wife from Max and Spencer last mm. year. So my wife is head of management and operation now. So okay. I don't even know how many, I don't even know how the property business runs. Okay, to so be honest she's now. running. So she runs, running the, she runs the the property business completely mm. with a few, if, you know, a few members of the team. I love that. Was that a goal of yours to to retire her? The goal, yeah. uh, I remember while I was going through all these trials and tribulation, I actually said to my wife, give me five years, I'll mm. bounce back. Okay. And yes, five years, we bounce back. Okay, wow. You see, this is the part of the tongue, right? Yes. I told my wife, give me five years. Mm. I'll bounce back. Give me five years. You will resign from Max and Spencer. And to the glory of God, she has resigned from Max and Spencer. And to the glory of God, she's transitioning to becoming an entrepreneur. Yeah. 
you know, it's been tough just having that mindset, but you know, everything that we, the house we live now, everything we live now, we, when I went through that challenge in 2015, it built a new me because I discovered, like I said, spirituality has been everything to me. I love, I love, I love hearing stories like that because it, it, it allows you to imagine, you know, a lot of people kind of have goals in mind or, you know, they have dreams, but they're always thinking, can I achieve that dream? And, you know, the discussion that we've had today is it's clear that you can if you want to. But I just wanted to talk about the challenges with property because property is not easy at all, right? So, you know, what, what challenges did you have in your in your journey in property? I think I'll answer this question from two angles. Angle number one is that everybody that is currently selling get rich quick property schemes is a liar because there's no such thing as getting rich quick in property i started my journey way back in 2016 i started learning 2017 i got off the ground 2018 i built a property portfolio on rent to rent to eight so can you see the time frame there yeah 2016 2017 2018 how long is that almost three years yeah Right. And now I don't know, but I think people feel like two thousand pounds is financial freedom or three thousand pounds financial freedom. No, it's not. For me, financial freedom to me is abundance of everything. Mm-hmm. It doesn't even have a figure. Yeah. And someone asked me the other day, put a figure to it. I said, Well, a hundred thousand pounds net a month would be good, one point two million a year. That's true. You know, one point <laughs> two nice. million pounds a year. So there is no such as get rich quick. Mm. It's a journey. Right, one or two, three rent to rent is not going to save your life or change you. And I, 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 I share this with people all the time. So for me, the property market is like there's rent to rent to self accommodation, there's rent to rent HMO, there's rent to rent to care home, there is property developments, land developments, commercial conversions, different things. Regardless of whatever you're looking to do, it doesn't. You don't say you. It. You don't just say I'm a millionaire in one year because you did this or that. But a lot can happen in two years. A lot can happen in three years. Mm. So where I am with my property journey was that I wouldn't say there's been challenges or there was challenges because like I said, when you have built a business before and you lose over 150,000 pounds, then you go through depression, then you go through anxiety, then you go through sleeping paralysis, then you get to a point where you almost ended your own life. <laughs> like... Mm. right now people are saying oh don't buy a house because the interest rates are going crazy because i've come to realize things take time yeah so the only people that are gonna be like oh the property market is crashing this is happening this is not happening well the reason why you're thinking that because you don't understand things take time everything is a cycle so for me right now, I'll give an example. Two weeks ago, I was trying to revalue one of my property that's worth 1.1 million. Mm. All right. And I got them valued by 300,000. Okay. That's right? a lot. Yeah. So one of my property is worth 1.1 million. Mm. Estate agents came, five estate agents came, gave me an opinion. The property is worth 500, oh, uh, it's worth 1.1 million. Mm. The outstanding mortgage on the property is about 600,000 pounds. Yeah. So if you do the equity there, that's a lot of money. Mm. So basically, I also paid for an independent valuer to come down and value the property for me. Yeah. And they came back, agreed with me 1.1 million. But I went to the lender. The lender says, no, your property is worth 800,000. That's what we can lend. Mm. I then 
putting a lot of arguments out there. I'm like, it's worth 1.1 million. They said, but our valuer that we've sent said the property is worth 800,000 pounds. So I said, okay, give me a bit more. I said, well, and I went to the bottom of the valuation report in as much as I've now gone from still exercising more options. Now, the valuer stated, obviously, due to the current market, all right, this is the reason why the property is being done value to that, you know, to that extent. And the property produces over 70,000 pounds a year gross income. So for me now, I'm looking like, okay, great, fine, no problem. The property that got that value of 300,000, is it the end of the world? No. So what I just need to do is wait for another five to 10 years time. So five to 10 years time, I'll be 53 years old. I mean, 10 years time, I'll be 53 years old. Five years time, I'll be 48 years old. On the other hand, a property that I bought last year mm. at 450,000 pounds, I yeah. didn't even touch it. I didn't do anything to it. I went to a different lender who has agreed to give me a further advance on that property. And they're willing to give me about 40K. Roughly around about forty thousand really? pounds more. More, wow. no, just allow me draw okay. forty thousand pounds from wow. the equity. So, property is a long time game. Yeah, even if you buy the worst property today, mm. as long as you buy in the best location, yeah, just give it time. Yeah. So, property is a long time game. It's not like okay, yes, if the interest rates are so high at the moment, whatever goes up must come down. Economics. Interest rates are not going to remain up that high yeah. for the next five years. It's going to also come down. It happened in 2008. Yeah. It happened way back in 2000. And, uh, it happened in 2008. Then it happened way back in 2000, uh, 1996 to 1998. Same way, one of this property I'm talking about, I bought it for 450. It was sold for 64,000 pounds. This same property, one of this property I'm talking about was yeah. sold for 64,000 pounds in 1994. That's crazy. So 1994, for me to be buying that same property... For 450, do the maths. Mm, more than 4x, yeah. More than 4x. Yeah. 400%. I'm not an economist, by the way. <laughs> so if you understand the name of this game, yeah. you're good to go. Yeah. Let me give you another example. The house I used to live in, myself and my wife bought that house in 2006. We lived there for a long time. We lived there for 13 years. We bought it for 250,000 pounds. In lockdown, that property was valued for 720,000 pounds. That's amazing. Even through recession, because there was recession in 28, mm. 2008. Wow. So property is a, sorry, property is a circle. Mm. Wow. And once you understand that, the rest is history. So, so what is the value currently of all your properties? There's a, you've got, do because you, it sounds, sounds like you do valuations a lot. So what's, do you know the rough value of your portfolio? Well, my portfolio right now is 7 million. 7 million. <laughs> 7 million. Wow. You must have worked very hard to, to do that, right? Of course. Yeah. Of course. I have. From losing 150K to getting to 7 million. And you see, this is the thing, right? Like you said, you could have not, you could have just continued being an Uber driver, but then you would have not got to the 7 million. So there's sometimes, if something I've come to realize in life, in order for you to get something new, you've got to give something all the way. So sometimes when, when, you know, you got to, I've come to really, like, like I said, I've gone on a journey that is deep in understanding oneself. Let me demonstrate something to you. This is my book. 
Now I'm holding this book like this. Can I grab a cup? Can I grab that water? Look. No. Can I try and grab that water? Yeah. I, might be able to. Might be tough. It, look, it's not yeah. happening. Yeah. I can grab, but I can't move it. Yeah. For me to take this water now, I have to drop this book. Yeah. And that's what people sometimes need to understand. Sometimes you're going to leave something old to get something new. Yeah. Something's got to give. And once I understand these principles, my life, my life is changing. And I just cannot wait like to get to that. You know, I'm just, I'm excited for what the future holds. Yeah. That's the word. So I guess for, if you, if you know, a lot of people want to start, property in 2023 and i'm sure this is like the question that you're probably getting a lot and i think probably even more now with mortgage um interest rates like increasing inflation all that sort of stuff i guess if you were to give advice to somebody what would be the one advice you would say to somebody if you were starting if they were starting their property journey in 2023 what would that be get started yeah regardless of what the market is saying regardless of what the interest is saying get started so one of the reasons why anybody needs to get started in 2023 in property right now, AIs, artificial intelligence, mm -hmm. are taking people's job. Yeah. It will. So imagine people who are data scientists, people who are data analysts, people who are even project managers. AI can write you an entire project management for anything you ask it to do. It's just like Google. Yeah. Everything you need is in Google. Same way AI can produce anything for you. Where are we right now? Where are we doing this amazing interview? or podcasting, we are under a roof. Yeah. Commercial building or residential building, we we need all need a roof. Yeah. When we had a pandemic, we were all told to wear, stay at home. God forbid if any global crisis was to happen, the first thing everybody says, stay home, stay safe. That's what the first thing they're going to say. So the best time to get signed in property was 20 years ago. And that 20 years ago, that 20 years ago is today. Yeah. So your 20 years starts from today. So look 20 years forward. I wish I bought my, I, I wish I bought a lot of properties in 2006 when I started doing property. When I bought the house that I live in, I wish I knew. Yeah. I bought, just imagine, just let's do this maths. We bought our house, myself and my wife in 2006. So imagine we knew what we know now that you can raise finance, you can leverage. Imagine we knew that in 2006 and we then went and built a 7 million pound property portfolio yeah. in 2006. So 2023 and we didn't do anything else yeah. and we just stayed there. We will be sitting on a portfolio that will be at least, give or take, around about 12 million pounds. Sorry, 7, 14, 16. So let's just say, let's play average number. Average number will be like 18 million to 19 million pounds. Yeah. And we all bought that properties for how much? 250. So I'll be sitting on almost 300, 200% equity. Yeah. The mass is simple. It's not that difficult. Yeah. People just need to understand, all right, that it's not get rich quick. Yeah. How many people did Airbnb in 2006? Was Airbnb even here? It wasn't about, no. Exactly. Yeah. 2006, was the iPhone? Even it was so, yeah. it was just coming out. It was just yeah. iPhone was just coming out. It was BlackBerry. Yeah, it was a BlackBerry. Yeah, I remember BlackBerry. <laughs> That's what people just need to understand. Yeah. So, I teach people the first thing in property is you need to have knowledge. Don't get into property because you want to leave your job. Yeah. 
get into property because you want to build wealth yeah. and have a plan. This is where I am. This is what's going to be in five years. As long as you have those two things, get the knowledge. Five years, this is what I want to have. Yeah. So you you, you mentioned wealth there, right? What, what what does that what does wealth mean to you? Wealth is freedom. Mm. Wealth is happiness. Wealth is peace. Wealth is love. Wealth is money. You can have money, you don't have peace. Yeah. You can have money, you don't have happiness. So you all of these things is worth for me. Yeah. The fact that my wife doesn't have to rush out of bed now to go to work because she has to go to work. And if she doesn't get to work, there's going to be issues or she may be fired from her work, right? It's no longer the case now. She wakes up when she likes, she gets ready and go to the office, yeah. her office, her company. So without us creating money and cash flow, she wouldn't be able to achieve that. I'm very fortunate that, you know, my wife, you know, she cooks me a very good meal every day. She comes back, it's a passion, she loves it. Fix me something nice to eat because I work from home, she works from the office. We couldn't be able to do that if we're not creating enough money. Yeah. So money brings peace. Money brings more love. Money brings more joy. Money brings more strength. So money's money and all these other things that I mentioned, money's love, money's peace, money's all these different things. When you have all together, that's what wealth truly means. Yeah. Health, good health, freedom. I love it. And financial freedom, do you think with property, uh, it might be a rhetorical question, can you actually achieve financial freedom with property? 100% you can yeah. achieve financial security yeah. in property, but it's not get rich quick. Yeah, It's interesting. People say, oh, you know, uh, I just go into property and um, I got my first uh, Airbnb property and I got this one big booking and my life has changed. See, I learned something. Well, it's one thing to start making that money. And people see that as success. And everybody can become successful. Yeah. To maintain success, that's where the work is. Yeah. Anybody can become successful. Anybody can become financially free free tomorrow. Yeah. If they want to. What have you had to do to maintain the success? That's, that's what we're talking about now. <laughs> it's your mindset. Mm. Spirituality. Mm. Understanding yourself. Understanding your purpose. Yeah. Knowing what you're caught to do. Yeah. In life, we're all called to do something. What is it that you're called to do? Because your light will shine to the next person. And that's why the Holy Bible tells you, say, we are the light of the world. Yeah. But let your light shine, your light. Let it shine. I love that. I love that. So I wanted to talk a little bit about, um, you, you've got your book coming out as well. You, I think by the time this episode comes out, your event would have happened. Are you having another event? or is it Yes, on the one? 14th of July. Yeah, are you having any more? Or is that the I, I actively have my wealth and business networking event okay. every quarter. Okay, okay. So yeah. yeah, we can we could talk a little bit about that. So you obviously you you help you help people get into property investing. Give us a bit of examples of like, you know, how you help them and talk to us about some recent successes with your with your students. Uh, interestingly, very good question, by the way. So I use one of our most recent, you know, case we just had in the last couple of days. So Femi and Abby, they wanted to get into property, right? They had no money, but they had the ability to get the money, mm. which is raising finance. So I showed them how to raise money. They raised about a hundred thousand pounds and they bought a house for 70,000 pounds. Wow. Up not. 
and they spent about £22,000 on that refurb. Last week or so, the refurb is completed and everything else. When we did the project, we predicted it would be value at 120 regardless of this current economic challenges. And we also projected that it could rent for 650. Mm. The house is now valued at 120. Mm-hmm. They got a 90,000 pounds out of the deal. Mm-hmm. So remember they spent what? 100K. Yeah. So they got 90,000 pounds out. So basically they got, they got a 75% loan to value of 120,000. Yeah. And they got 90K. The property rented for 700 and not 650. The mortgage is 400 pounds and they're going to make, they make a 300 pound profit a month. So let's just say insurance costs, let's put under agency management, whatever that looks like. That's still a very decent income for a property that they own for literally less than nothing. Wow. That's just one case. Anthony Howell, I took him from zero to raising significant amount of money from right he raised about 135,000 pounds under my mentorship today he's sitting on a 2.5 million pound property portfolio wow. we did that in 18 months by the way wow. not not in three months abby and femi i just spoke about we did that with them in 12 months wow. a cycle so this july will make it one year i've been working with them wow so first they raised the money they bought the asset. Anthony, first he raised the money, they bought the asset, 18 months. He now sits on a 2.5 million pound property portfolio. Abby and Femi, they now have their first property together. That's just two case scenario. Yeah. And a lot of other cases on my YouTube channel. Wow. And I, I love the fact that you're you're not keeping it to yourself because a lot of people do this. A lot of people make money and then they don't put the ladder back down, right? And I think it's important if you're going to create wealth for yourself that you're also creating it for others as well. You're helping them, you're teaching them what you've got if only you have eyes in a blind community and every other person is blind yeah you're blind basically so my mission is to help show people that yes you can leverage debt is a good thing but you have to know the difference between good debt and bad debt yeah so i raise debt to build my wealth so meaning that i find investors that have got money they invest with me. I give them great return on investment. Yeah. We're going to project together. And when I refinance, I pay them back their money. Okay. And sometimes when the refinance doesn't go well, I restructure with them and I tell them, listen, give me a couple of, you know, a year. Let's 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 roll it over to a year. Let me pay you your 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 profits and let's go again. Okay. And we do more deals. Yeah. So there are ways. So a lot of people always felt like, oh, you needed to have the money in your bank mm. to do deals. No. All you need first is knowledge. Now, knowledge can come cheap, which means you can listen to podcasts like this, pick up one or two bullet points and go and do it yourself. Or you find someone that's got your result and pay them to teach you. Chapter number 10 of my book, I wrote about paying to play. Mm. What does mean? What does that mean? Pay to play means buying yourself at the table where you truly belong so you can tra- trans- transform your life. Amazing, amazing, Dr. Daniel. So you've got your book coming out. Can you talk to us about when are you launching it? What can people expect from it? Yes, my new book is called The Test, Transitioning from the Ordinary to the Extraordinary. It's been released July the 14th. So guys, make sure you go and support the book. Let's take it to number one Amazon bestseller, not bestseller, number one Amazon bestseller. And this can only happen by a number of people that click on that link on Amazon and buy the book. It's going to be 20 pounds for the book. So just go and grab a copy of the book. I share my life experience of the knowledge that I have. And the beauty is that people can actually relate and see, you know, 
because a lot of people have been following me in for social media and I've shared my journey all the way. Yeah. You know, uh, yeah, a few of them, there's been slip of tongues here and there where maybe, maybe I got the number wrong or right, but I corrected it. But I've shared my knowledge yeah. of what I've been through in that journey yeah. here and there and uh, to basically show to other people that you too can turn your adversity into greatness. I love that. I love that. And uh, you know, I, I could use that as your final word, but no. So where can people find you before we... we I'm everywhere. Yeah. I'm everywhere. I am. Um, I'm, I'm on Amazon mm -hmm. podcast. I'm on Spotify podcast. I am on Instagram. Mm -hmm. I'm on LinkedIn. I'm on TikTok. I'm literally everywhere. Dr. Dr. Daniel, Daniel Moses, Moses everywhere. everywhere. Okay. So Dr. So Dr. Daniel Moses together. Now, there are a lot of impersonators out there, guys. Make sure you're trying to do the real one. Yeah. Amazing. Thank you so much, Dr. Daniel Moses. I, I feel so inspired and energized by our conversation today. And I think mostly because you you came from a place, you overcame so many challenges. Let me just be honest with you. Several challenges, not yeah. once, not twice, not three, not four, not five, and you didn't give up. And I think that's, you know, that's the essence of what, I'm trying to do on this podcast, right? Like we're, we're trying to inspire, we're trying to motivate and, you know, stories like yours really, really gets us to understand, look, if we have a goal, we have a vision. Sometimes there are going to be challenges. Sometimes there are going to be tribulations, but we can get through it. We just got to keep on, yeah. keep on going. And that's what I've really taken from your story. So every time I, I'm in that place, I'll think of you. And that's what it is, right? We'll associate ourselves. Look, Dr. Daniel Moses was in that situation and he got through it so I can get through it too. So yeah, it's been, it's been an amazing conversation. Do you have any um, final words for the watchers and listeners? Well, final words would just be, when adversity knock on your door, just remember there's an expansion, there is success, there is growth, there is light at the end of that dark tunnel. No matter how dark it is, as long as you can breathe, there is light. Embrace your adversity and move forward. Thank you. Thank you so much, Dr. Daniel Moses. Thank you so much for tuning into this episode of Tech for Experience, and we'll see you next week's episode. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.